Perch. Welcome to another episode of the She's Free to Fly podcast. Um, I thank you so much for joining us today. Today, I have someone you have heard about in previous episodes. Um, someone who is definitely a part of me. I have definitely taken some of the best from her to make me. It's Ms. Bernice Redmond Carson. Remember when I told you about the lady? that she taught me that everything has a place and a place has everything, but it is always organization. Um, everything is so very unique. Everything is strategically planned out. Not only for her life, but anybody's life she touches. She take care of my mama like that's her baby. Yes. Like that's her little sister. She always has a delicious meal for you. Um, she really, really is that friend. But she is that mom. She's the mother of two plus two. Right. I like it. Right. Yeah. Um, and she loves and she supports her children. Her children. She's an awesome grandmother. Now I'm just telling all your business. Can you tell us about your business? Yes, I can. I'm going to pick up what she just left off. I am a grandmother of seven. My son has four boys. My daughter has two boys and one girl. And I'm also a great grandmother of three. All right, then. Until you become a great grandmother. Uh-huh. Grandmother, okay. Great grandmother is the best. Great grandmother is the best? Yeah. Grandmother was awesome. Okay. But great grandmother, oh my God. This one big happy family. We get together. It's probably when the mothers and fathers and best friends and all of us get together. Mm-hmm. You're looking at about 20 people. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I know they love getting together at your house. They love it. Because I love coming together. Yes. But that was just like growing up. I can remember like growing up. My mom did breakfast yes. for us when we were kids, yeah. and you did dinner for us yeah. when we were kids. Yeah. And hold on, this speaks to what a lot of single parents can do to help one another. We lived in an apartment complex, and it was two single women with two children, and they really, really parented us together and helped one another out throughout the entire yes. process. And then Miss Susan was over in another building right. with her two. Right. And we all just and then Miss Linda was over in another oh, building yeah. with her two. And we, we all, all connected. Oh wow. Your mama cooked the best little pancakes and she still cooked them small. About fifty dollar cent size. And she would say, Come on, they win. April and Gary, they win. They would go get breakfast. Yeah. And then y'all you all would walk through your things with those. That was it. That was the day. That was it. Um, okay, so Miss Megan Griffin, it's about my childhood. I love it. I love it. Man, always surrounded by love. Always. Thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you. You see a part of what you have created. You have to create. Thank you. All right. So today we're gonna talk about a very important topic. We're gonna talk about domestic violence. October was National Domestic Violence Month, um, but we postponed getting together, and it is for such a time as this. Um, I believe everything happens in God's time. It doesn't have on the calendar's time. It happens on God's time. Right. So we're talking about domestic violence. Um, you were you were a victim. Yes. You are a survivor. I am. And now you are a thriver of this. Yes. Thank you. And not only are you a thriver, but you help other people survive yes. domestic violence and you help other people thrive. Yes. Um, and I think that's very, very important. I think it's um, important for women to have these open conversations to share about their experiences so that they don't feel like they're the only one. Because it's in these conversations that you receive new revelations from you. Um, and that's what She's Free to Fly is all about. It is about being free to fly. It is about, you know, the freedom to be released from old thoughts, from old mindsets, you know. So let's have that discussion and um, let's break it up into like a four-part discussion. There's a uh, pre-relationship that turns sour. There is the relationship that you were in that became domestic violence. And I really want to talk about how you got out of that relationship 
And now, what is your life now as you are thriving? Well, I am a 40 plus year survivor of domestic violence. Uh, June 2nd, 1979 is when I married my ex husband. Okay. Uh, he was military. We lived in Lago, Arkansas, a small city. We had the Air Force Base there. So that was really kept Lago thriving the way it was. Okay. And so we met. Um, and we fell in love. It was a good relationship. There was no signs of violence. There was no signs of verbal abuse. Nothing. Nothing. When I say nothing, there was nothing. Nothing between the two of you were each side. Nothing. Okay. The, uh, so I was actually in nursing school and I was working at the hospital. And one of my patients uh, turned out to be his ex-wife. Okay. And she said, I heard you and you getting married. Uh, let me tell you what could happen to you in this marriage. And so I see you wearing your ring. You know, you're happy. You're smiling. I said, I am. So she going to tell me everything that you did to her in their marriage. Okay. Everything. Okay. Cheated on her. He beat her. He went. With the bed, he did everything. Everything that he did to her, she told me about. Okay. I said, "Well, okay, you know that—that that was your marriage. This is different. Yeah. He loves me." So by now, he's getting ready to go overseas. He thought she was jealous. I thought she was jealous. Okay, and that's why I took it as okay. That—that that don't mean it's going to happen to me, right? And I didn't listen to it because it's hard to tell sometimes with women. We don't know when someone is coming to us. And they're coming from a place of care or they're coming from a place of jealousy. Exactly. And so exactly. we have to try to figure it out. And if we can't figure it out, we may go down the wrong path. Right. Right. So share with us about the path. So he was overseas for two years. He okay. went to Korea. And so he came back. He came back after two years. Now we're getting ready to have our wedding. Um. And so we got married on the base. Okay. And we get ready to go to California. Mind you, I have two small kids. I have a two and a half and a three and a half. Uh, their father was also military. He was stationed in Blava also. Okay. And we dated for a while, you know, just mm -hmm. just had a good time. We had a good relationship. Mm -hmm. And we got two kids. Okay. So he gets transferred back to one of and I stayed in Arkansas. Okay. A few months later, I met my ex-husband. Mm -hmm. And that's when we, you know, talked about getting married. Now, we dated for like a year, for okay. a little over a year. We dated with no problems. Awesome. Um, he asked me to marry him. I said yes. He went to my mama and asked her if she if he could marry me. So a complete gentleman. A complete like gentleman. He had been a complete gentleman. So you did not walk into this no. blindly. Outside of the external warning, there were no internal nothing between the two of you. So you didn't even have a reason to believe that she was telling the truth because you had experienced none of it. Right. Okay. Right. All right. And I never heard it from anybody but her. You know, okay. you know, we were some small city, so everybody knew everybody. Okay. But I never heard anything like that, only from her. Okay. So I took it. Okay, she's just jealous. She's moving on, mm -hmm. you know. So we get married. Now it's time for us to go to California. All right. And, you know, we talked four days in a car right. with two small kids. Right. Um, and I remember we were getting ready to go. We had the car packed. And he told me he needed to go somewhere. Okay. I said, okay. So we're in the car. We ride down this dark road. And somebody walks out with a baby. And it will say, white lady, with a baby. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, what are we doing? And he said, I want you to meet somebody. So he introduced me to her. And he said, and this is my son. So the baby couldn't been no more than two months old, maybe one month or two months old. I'm not sure. Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all had already gotten married. Yes. And now he's moving you to California, to California from Arkansas. Yes. On the way to California. So now that I've taken you away from, let me show you what you walked into that you didn't even know anything about. 
Exactly. And he has, and this is in what year around? 1979. So we're talking late 70s when interracial relationships were not widely acceptable. Exactly. So he has an interracial relationship that produces a baby. Exactly. So he may not have even been able to pursue this relationship at this point. Exactly. Like the way he wanted to. But he's going to let you know, okay, this is what I have. This is what I have. All right. So now let's keep on driving California, I guess. <laughs> So this is an interesting trip. Now, what I should have done, okay, you know, twenty year old, twenty one year old Bernice didn't know to say, "No, you take me back to my mama's house." To back up a little bit on that, the relationship at home was kind of. I got two kids now. I'm not married, so of course, Mama didn't like that. Right? She didn't accept that. But right. so me trying to get away now. Was right, was was fine with her. Right. Okay. 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 So we go to California. Um, and the next day after we get there, we get an apartment. Mind you, he's already been there, got the apartment set up, he's done everything. Okay. And so we're in the apartment, and um, the next day he asked me to come outside. Now he's a black, he, he got a black jail while he was overseas. Okay. So he knew karate, he knew everything. Okay. So he asked me to come outside. He wants to spar with me. I said, I don't even know what I'm doing. Okay. He said, let me show you. So he went to kick up and, 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 and his foot came down on that side of my face. So now I'm bruised. And that was all because he wanted to go to a party that night. But he did that so I couldn't go. And later on in this story, I can I can tell you how I know everything as we get further into okay. it, you know. But I, we can get there as soon as so we're ready. As soon as you got to California, yeah, it was like, okay, this house gonna be. I saw it as an accident. I didn't see it. Still, didn't didn't register me that maybe this is abuse. That you know, sometimes you know that definitely happens in relationship. Let's start an argument. So I can go my way, you can go your way. Exactly. And that's yeah. exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start this argument or start this fight for no reason so I can go my way and you can go your way. And then you don't ask me no question because you're mad with me. Because I'm mad. So very intentional. Very intentional. It was. It's very intentional. Okay. So how long did the abuse last in the relationship? It lasted um, a little um, 11 months. I'm going to say 11 months okay. because um, there's a lot of things took place in between then and the 11 months when I finally got out of the uh, relationship. Okay. And, and so one thing uh, about the military, if you're living off base and you're having issues in your neighborhood, they will bump you up to the top and move you on base. Okay. So in order to for us to get on the base, which is what his plan was. Okay. And the plan to get on the base, I found out later on, was to bring her from Arkansas, California now. So all the abuse and the anger that he had with me was to get me to leave. Okay. But God didn't say leave yet. I'm not leaving yet. You're my husband. Nobody's going to run me away from you. Okay. But you. So when I found out it was about getting her there. So now I'm, I got to ask you a question. No. Did God then say please? Or you just went, you were at, at tw early 20s now. Are we really? I don't know. You may have been. I was not. <laughs> just in the whole present mindset of, okay, God told me to be so God told me to stay the going to stay up in But, or is it a, I'm not leaving yet. I don't know what to do. Did you know what to do? Because there are some young people in their early 20s, in their 30s, who don't know what to do. And they think the to do is, he is my husband, so I'm going to stay. That's, please help me. He is my husband, and I'm going to stay. Okay. But later on in the abuse, mm -hmm. God spoke to me and told me what to do. Right. But during this time, He's my husband, and I'm going to follow him. Okay. 
So he's trying to get on base now. Okay. So he had a second job as a security at night. And what he would do, he would knock on the apartment door and run. And I would call him and tell him, and he would say, call the police. That happened like every week, every other day, it was happening. And that's to get y'all from the apartment to the bed. And it worked. All right. It worked. And the whole purpose of that was to get on the base. He sent for her. She's on the base around the corner from where we live in Transit Living Quarters. Because her mom and dad had put her out because he had, she had a baby by a black man. Okay. So that's how. <laughs> All right. It's a, right. it's a story, hey. Right. It's a lot. Um, so what was the catalyst of you leaving at the 11 months? Well, the abuse just, it was, it was, it got worse. Okay. It got worse. Uh, I had a broken jawbone. He hit me in the face with an iron. If one you iron your clothes with, um, he would spit on me. And it got so bad, every time he would hit me, I would go to the base emergency room and they would try to lock him up. But I would say, no, it ain't going to happen no more. And so when he broke my jawbone, he said, well, what you going to tell him when you get there? I'm going to tell him the truth. He said, no, you're not. You tell him you fell downstairs. And that's what I did. And you told him you fell downstairs? I told him I fell downstairs. The doctor said, well, how you get those bruises on your neck? Because he was choking me okay. that night. And I started crying, and he said, you got the SPs, they want to check to handcuff him. And I said, no, we, he won't do it again. I, I don't want to lock him up. We'll be fine. So it continued, okay. and he got to the point where every time he would hit me, I think they was taking a strike from him or something else. You know? But it got so bad until his base commander asked me to come and meet with him. Okay. And he said, uh, your husband is losing his mind. He's on drugs. Somebody going to be killed. Somebody need for me. I said, I'll go. I'll go. Because he can't, he can't tell you to leave your husband in a leadership yes. role. But there's also a certain level of care that calls me, you know, to say, somebody got to go. Because somebody is going to be. Because he was all over the place. He was doing everything. He did the NCL club, just turning it out, just right. drunk and just, you know. They came to our house one night. We were, me and the kids was in the bed asleep. And he had left the house and left the back door open. And the SPs was out there saying, hello, hello. And I got up and went. I said, what's going on? They said, we, you know, we got your husband locked up. We're looking for, no, he had got away from them. They were looking for him. Okay. And I said, I don't know where he is, officer. I'm sorry. I have no idea. I didn't even know he had left everybody. But um, as time went on, and I'm now starting to prepare to leave because she's on the base. You only can stay in TLQ for a certain amount of time. So he put her in a hotel downtown. Okay. So now she has not, nowhere to go because I'm I'm stubborn. I'm staying here. I'm not you. I'm I'm not leaving. So the point is. Let me tell y'all the mind frame. She can get my man. I ain't leaving. She's going to have to go. I'm but, I, right. but you know what? I was a nice, calm, sweet young lady. And now they call me Nisi. You know, that's that's the other girl <laughs> that ended up afterwards. But anyway, um, so she moves to a uh, hotel downtown. And he asked me when I go and meet with her. You know, I said okay. yes. So now she has to make a decision whether she's going back to Arkansas or what she's going to do because Bernice haven't left yet. Mm -hmm. So it came down to the point where she wanted to know was it okay if I kept the baby? Okay. And I said, sure. What you going to do? She said, I'm joining the military. So she joined the military. We end up with the baby, treating him just like he was one of mine. Mm -hmm. I mean, I Loved on him just like I was loving on mine. Baby, you got to know. I know. So I know you did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know you did. Okay. I mean, I kept the child, did what I could, you know, to make him happy in the baby. Mm -hmm. And so this last incident, we, um, he now has his, all his girls calling the house. And I said to him, your witches 
is calling the house. Mm-hmm. And he had took the food, took my money, took the keys to the car. So I had nothing. Okay. I borrowed food from my neighbors and everything to okay. cook for my two little kids to find that or cook for the three kids. Okay. Because he took everything. Okay. He came home, I told him that. He took the food and poured it over the stone, threw it up against the wall, and I took off running out the house. Mm-hmm. My three and a half year old son was trying to catch me. I looked back, and I guess I just left his son in the house. I looked back, and there's my two year old daughter trying to catch up with us. He grabs her, and he runs back in the house with me. Okay, I'm freaking out now. What do I do, Lord? I continue to my neighbor's house. And I called my mom okay. and told her, Mommy, you gotta help me get out of California. I need you to help me. And my mom said to me, You'll be okay. You're fine. So sorry. I hung up the phone and I made a call to my kids' grandmother here in Georgia. She said to me, Your tickets will be at the bus station. What day? And so sometimes when you <laughs> say no it's on God to do it. Yes. Because when I think about where God is just taking that's amazing part, there's some hurting parts. It's been there's so many different parts of my journey. Right. That's why I don't mind telling them one day. I said, Pastor, why is this still so fresh on my mind? And he told me because God wants you to. To bless someone else by telling the story. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Before we, so now that you prepare to go to Georgia, before we make it to Georgia, I want to backtrack about just something we talked about off camera is your early childhood. Your early childhood, and then what we, what possibly could have been his early childhood, because there are some things that we're experiencing as young children that opens us up. So share me about your grandmother. Big mom. Big mom. Big mom. I was, like I said, I was born in my house. Mm-hmm. And I think I was the only girl in Blava, Arkansas that had her own room at that early age because Big Mama took care of Life with Big Mama was amazing. Okay. She taught me a lot of things. Big Mama got sick, so uh, that means uh, Mama came to get me during my school age. Okay. But I miss her so much. So your Big Mama was your great-grandmother? It was my great-grandmother. Oh, wow. Yes. You did say being a great-grandmother is the thing. I'm telling you. Okay. <laughs> okay. So now uh, I have three older siblings. That I had never really had a relationship with. We never played together or anything. I wasn't close to my sisters and brothers, so I was mostly a loner. I stayed by myself a lot. Yeah, and that was that was now school age is here and um, going to school. You know, everything is fine. Still not experiencing no abuse from anybody. Now I had a girlfriend in in high school that fought for me, Mm -hmm. so I never had a. I never been in a fight. Until I marry Al. Okay. So fighting was foreign to you? Yeah, it was. Fighting was foreign. It was. All right. And when something is foreign, you don't know what to do with it. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to do with it. Because fighting is foreign. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now your ex-husband, what do you know about his upbringing? So I didn't know a lot until uh, he took me to his city in Arkansas to meet his mom mm-hmm. and his dad. Mm-hmm. So I never knew. I think he had a brother that I may have met his brother. Mm-hmm. And he had a son, um, maybe about seven years old or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So we were spending the night because I hadn't met his parents yet. So we went to meet them. Okay. And during that night, I heard some noise. And I, I woke up and his mom was screaming. Because his dad was beating her. But that still wasn't a red flag to me to get away from him. It really wasn't. Because I never saw that part of him. The the wounded child. Mm -hmm. When the wounded child grows up to be a man. And I I say this very clearly. That is no excuse for abusing someone as an adult. No, it's not. 
but we have to be conscious as parents of young children what we allow our own children to experience. Exactly. That's exactly yes. why I was not going to stay in that marriage with my two small kids. I don't think my daughter remember much. Mm-hmm. I believe my son may can recall some things mm-hmm. that, that he overheard. Maybe we, It took us four days to get from California to Georgia. Mm-hmm. So here I am with two small kids running for my life mm-hmm. and for their life. And it was a journey. And we met this gentleman on, on one of the buses. Buses was always, always crowded. Okay. And he was very nice. He said he was on his way to Texas. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, if it's okay with you, your kids, I will be your, he was a big guy. Okay. I'll be the pillar for your kids, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. I said, I don't mind. And he would take my son when we stopped. He would take him to the bathroom to brush his teeth or use okay. the bathroom, you know. So okay. um, we got here in four days. So he sent a little on the way. On the way. He just sent a little help on the way. On the way. <laughs> and he, he, he didn't know my story. Right. He was just doing it out of kindness. God sent yeah. him. He sent help on yeah. the way. Help. He said help on the way. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you got to do is go and I'll be there. Yeah. I was, um, I was praying with um, one of my prayer partners this morning. I was praying with my buddy this morning. And uh, we were just talking about fear. And mm-hmm. we were talking about just God and stuff in the midst of our prayer. And it's one thing that I hold on to is no matter where I am, God is. He is it. He is it. No matter where I am, God is. You see? When I ask God, God, what door do I need to walk into? He said, no matter which one you walk into, I'll be there. Either I'm going to be there to turn you around, or I'm going to be there to walk with you. That's right. And that's just what God is on. That's what he does. And you got to have faith over fear. Yeah. That's sir. what your shirt says. It does. Faith over fear. fear. Faith over fear got you to Georgia. My pastor just preached that this past Sunday. Okay. Oh, my God. And who is your pastor? Pastor Carlos Kelly. Okay. Bureau Land Bible Church. All right. In Macon, Georgia. One church in two locations. Yes. Okay. In Macon, Georgia. And it's streamed online as well? It's streamed online. All right. Facebook and YouTube. And All then right. we our website. All right. We're leaving. And let's, what was the early, your first few months or your first year when you come to Georgia with nothing but your children and whatever you could pack and home? Well, their grandmother was very, very grateful. The whole family was. Okay. They was very grateful. I think uh, when I got off the bus, I remember her saying, you look like you've been through Because I was really, really small. Okay. And uh, these were her only grandkids at the time. So she was really excited to get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I was too. Yeah. And so just, just trying to feel my way through and find myself all over again. Who am I? Who am I now? What do I do now? Where do I go now? But they were generous enough to make sure I had we had what we needed. A, a place to stay, you know. We stayed there and then, you know, now it's time for me to kind of branch out on my own. So they provided me with everything that I needed. Because um, when I left there, I had plastic bags with stuff I had hid throughout the house so he wouldn't see it. Um, and so that's all I had, but they made sure we had what we needed. First And so that's what I please talk about. How do you bring yourself back as a woman? What are the internal thoughts? What are you doing? How do you bring yourself back? Somebody just left. Help them bring themselves back to themselves. Well, what what happened was I knew, you know, everybody don't have the means to get out. Like I did. Everybody may not have, they may be afraid. I had good support. I had good help to get out. So by, by, you know, getting that help, 
okay, now it's time for me to get up myself. Okay. So what do I do? I look for a job. Okay. I wasn't worried about him being in Georgia because he's still in California. Mm-hmm. Other people may be worried about that. Right. You just can't walk out and get a job because you're in your city where you live at. This is a good time for me to talk about the work that you do now so that our listeners and viewers can understand how you're knowledgeable about this part. Okay, so after I was, I told, I, I did my first speaking at a domestic violence shelter in Warner Robins. Mm-hmm. And I prayed about it and prayed about it. I wrote it, I think I had about 10 or 12 pages I was going to read for. <laughs> Y'all, we have the script. Yes. Sean, I got the script. This is what I want to say, Mama. It's just a conversation. But I just need you to listen to it. Go ahead. I'm listening. I'm listening. Yeah, so so when I spoke there, well, prior to that, you know, I'm still in church. I'm hearing about the Lord. I'm hearing testimonies from other people, not survivors, but just telling a testimony about what God has done in their life. And I was like, well, people that, then what? You know, he's already done this for me. I'm sure this is not where I stop at. I'm right. sure there's more for me to do. There's more for me to say. Right. So I was afraid to tell my story, um, but they it was doing October and semester out and they begged me to the lady at the shelter. Be. I said, okay. I was a nervous wreck. I probably had one page up there, and I just read that over and over again because I was a nervous wreck. But if you if you're trying to get out. And there, that could be hindered, you know, because my husband would say, you can't make it without me. Mm-hmm. You're not going to leave all this. You don't know what to do. You ain't never did this. You don't have a car. You don't have a job. There, you'll hear all that. So you had to do a mindset shift. You had to do a mindset shift. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, what ma'am. helps you in your mindset shift? What are, what are three things people can do with a mindset shift? Whether you did them or not, just based on your knowledge and understanding them. Well, first of all, You've got to trust God. Okay. First and foremost, you got to trust Him. Okay. You got to seek some counsel. Okay. You got to go somewhere and talk with somebody, get everything out, and seek some counsel. Okay. And then you got to think about yourself. And if there's kids, think about them. Mm-hmm. How do I want my kids to remember this? Or this is their father. Do I want? You got to think about the whole situation. It's a big picture okay. that you got to look at it. All right. Say, you know, what do I do next? Okay, I had to get a job. That was my next move. I got a job, making a financial shift, making a financial shift. Okay, and like I say, he wasn't here, so I wasn't afraid to be out and around in Macon, Georgia, right? Because he wasn't here. There were times when I thought I saw, and I was angry, I was mad, I wasn't a very nice person to men that I met, you know. Because your guard is up. My guard is up. Your guard is up. Yeah. You can protect your protection mode. But I wanted to see the face of that girl. Because I probably would have beat her right there tomorrow. Well, I'm glad we didn't see the face of her. And I'm glad you have grown beyond that. Praise God for growth. She said, I didn't fought for my life to get out. Y'all ain't going to come for me. You're not going to come for me. And it took me a while. To get rid of that anger. I went to Atlanta when I started working at the medical center back in AIDS, okay. 86 something. And I would go to employee health and talk about it. And they would say, okay, we need to get you some help. That's good. So I was sent to Atlanta for a whole month. Because the anger is real. It's real. The hurt is real. It's real. And we have to be honest about it. Real. But you did the right thing. You went and sought some help. Sought some help. Remove yeah. this for from me. Get this anger. I didn't want to be that person. Right. Because I had seen it in him and other people. You know, I didn't want to be that person. So I had to do what I had to do. It was whatever I needed to go to counseling. And so as life moved on now, um, it was, we got married June 2nd, 79. June the 6th. Well, let me back up. He started. My mom, he called my mother to find out where I was, and she told him. So now I'm angry all over again because okay. she told him where I was. So he started calling that house, and I told him I'll never call me again. He said to me, 
I'm about to have surgery. I need you to come back. I said, don't call me ever again. So June the 6th, four days after our first anniversary, he got killed by hit and run traveling in California. Oh, wow. He got killed. So my mother called my kid's grandmother to tell her to come to my apartment and stay with me because the guys from the base is coming up to, with the news. And so um, we were there. It's almost midnight. Right. They finally get there. I answer the door. And they tell me what happened. No, no. My mother called me before they got there. And I said, what you doing calling this time of night? It's almost midnight. She said, is, is your family there? I said, yes, they're here. What's going on? And she said, well, you know, they come and tell you that, that he got killed. And I dropped the phone and I broke down and everything. So we, we, we made it a year. Was it this four years? It was four, four days after our first anniversary. So, so we have to wish the three. <laughs> Hold on with it. I make it Hold on with it. Okay. All right. So, so in this call, you still experience loss. Yes. Yeah. You have, this has to be quite a combination of emotions. Yeah, Is there relief? That he was that he had that. No, it wasn't really. Yeah. It's lost. It's lost. It's. I've started feeling sad because okay. I wasn't there. I started feeling sad. So, is there guilt? It probably was a little bit now, no, but then yes. Okay, and I'm just asking questions because I'm just trying to process it. It was guilt because, and I got to think, well, if you haven't went back when you asked me to help him, but he didn't get, it was an accident. It was a hit and run drive. It had nothing to do with his surgery or anything. But then it got nothing to do with his surgery, but all day, all Man, so you know the thought that's going in the back of my head on this side? The commanding officer saying to somebody on that. And I, I remember right before I left, I had got the kids out the gate, brought the car back, took his son to daycare. I left a note and I said, I forgive you for what you did to me, but God's going to punish you. I didn't do nothing but love. God's going to punish you. Some and vengeance and fine. Said the Lord, and he said, I have learned. Don't mess with God's children. I don't have nothing to do with God will take care of you. Okay. I didn't know it was going to end like that, but you know. And that's not wishing nothing bad on nobody. Nobody. But don't mess with God's children. Why? Because we're his children. It's like, can't nobody mess with your children. You can't mess with mine. That's right. So don't mess with God's children. And if I belong to God, just don't mess with his children. It's all to me. Leave people alone. What they say? Let them be. Let it be. Okay. All right. So, Nisi, we have, we went through bonding. We met with Bernice. And now we're in this transition of now you are happily married. And let's talk about just. Yeah, wonderful. Um, we married January seventh, nineteen ninety nine. Right. We dated for like two and a half years, and he asked me to move in with him. And I gave. I said, "This is my command. I'll move in with you. I don't need you. I'm, I'm with you because I love. You. I got my own stuff. I'm gonna move in with you for one year. I'm giving you one year." I'm ready to settle down, okay. and I wanted to be with you. So if you're not ready, don't move me out of my apartment. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, one year is all you get. I know. <laughs> like move it. I'm about to cry because I remember all of this. Oh my God, it was it was a beautiful courtship. Nothing. No, I know the signs now. Yeah, you know by now I know the signs. Okay. No signs. The internal and external. Exactly. Yes. Nothing. Nothing from Mr. Carson. Yeah. And he is a wonderful father mm-hmm. who is the father of two daughters when he got off his 
So he had two daughters, and you had a daughter and a son. Right. Now we have grown with grandkids. And, right. And I promise you, and he's called Big Daddy. He went from loving Big Mama to loving Big Daddy. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. And I kept them. I kept them away from them for a while because you know we were we were free spirits. Yeah. Big Mama, Laura, and Mama Lee. We were yeah. free spirits. So they weren't. I wasn't ready for y'all to. We love him. Yes, he loves them too because he know how our bond is, how close we are. But we y'all all come for one another and care for exactly. one another. And y'all care for one another's spouses. Y'all care for one another's kids. Y'all are just a true unit of relationship with just family. And y'all definitely showed me how to create a family of friends. A true family of friends. And everybody needs that. Yes. Everybody needs yes. that. That you can tell any and everything yes. to and you never hear it again. We was already there for we always there for And we got married in January the 2nd of 2024 will be 25 years. Look wow. at God. Look at God. Look at God. Baby, he will take you out <laughs> of the storm to put you in some sunshine. sunshine. And y'all live a wonderful life. We a, do. a wonderful we do. life of love and respect and compliment. And sure you do. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure in 25 years, you still have ups and downs. You still have marriage. Mm-hmm. But y'all have stayed united and stayed in love. And you learn that there is a way to work through long-term relationships mm-hmm. the right way. Mm-hmm. And you were able to learn it. With me. Yes. So, that's good. And, and he knows my story. I've talked to him. and he always. How can a man do that to a woman? How can a man be on a woman like that? Yeah. He's so laid back and he'd be dying yeah. in the boom boom room. Is it boom boom room? <laughs> Y'all, Big Daddy got a boom boom room. And don't nobody go in there. He'd just be in his boom boom room or he'll be in the living room. Just chilling. That's his spot. Whatever. That's his spot. I make sure he's happy and vice versa. He makes sure I'm happy. All right. Um, so we cannot leave without you sharing. Where in the world did you learn how to sew? Bring us a bag, fashion. Come oh on. No, we, baby. Because this right here, but this is that thing that allows you also, even if you don't have a job for some women, and they learn a skill set. Why? Right? You may not be able to go out and have a job and be in public places, mm-hmm. but you can learn a skill set that can help you to survive. And for as long as I've known you, you've done both things. Done both. Yeah. So but my my learning actually started back when I was in junior high. Okay. And there was a girl, a friend of mine, Mary, down the street. Mm-hmm. And I said, Mary, because she was making her clothes. Okay. And I said, I want to learn how to sew. She said, if you can read a pattern, you can do it. Okay. Well, I didn't have a sewing machine. Okay. So I would take needle and thread and make my clothes and make the just sew it over and over again so it won't come apart. Okay. That's what I did until I got a sewing machine. Okay. So it was one Christmas. Mama had to give some of the tree. Mama had left. So we would go in the tree and open up and see what it was. And there was a box. And we opened it up and it was a sewing machine. It was no doubt in my mind that it wasn't mine. And it ended up being my sister's. We opened the gifts on Christmas morning. It was her. I got a stereo player. Oh. And she got the sewing so machine. She, and she don't even sew. But you, but she learned. You learned how to sew on your sister's sewing machine, though, right? She let you use it. No. Okay. No. All right. Keep going. So I took when I got turned eighteen and got a job. Okay. I bought my first sewing machine. All right. And I started sewing. And I haven't stopped yet. You have. I have not stopped. You have. Mostly everything I wear, I make it. Okay. And you have your own clothing line. I have my own clothing line. All right. Thank you. Okay. And I took that bag from. My first initial, Bernie's, my daughter's initial, April, and my son's first initial, Gator. And you put on fashion shows since then and all of that. So, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Wonderful. You are free to fly. Thank you. Amazing. I love it. You are free to fly. Found out that I could be a voice okay. for domestic violence. Oh, yeah. um, and I also have. Volunteer with the Crisis Line Safe House. Yes. 
and I take them gifts throughout the year. They get blankets, no sew blankets. You don't have to sew. You just tie the ends together. Right. I do bags for believers. Is was gently used purses that I would collect. From my church members, from my family, from my friends, mm-hmm. and I would clean them up, and I would put toiletries in there. Okay. I would put a journal in there. I would write a note in the journal for them. Now they have cards. They have cards in there, and um, take them to the shelter. And the girls would they would come out so I could meet and talk with them. Mm-hmm. Some of them was a little afraid, mm-hmm. but they would come out and they all would just sit there with their head down. And I'd be like, y'all look at me. I'm a survivor. So when they hear my story, then they start opening up, telling me about their story. That's good. Yeah. But that's all confidential. You know, we right. don't do pictures or anything. Right. We just talk to them. That's good. That's good. And I always got a word for them. You are the victim. You are the victim. Don't be a victor. Be a victim. Be a victor. Be a victim. Don't be a victim. Be a victor. Yeah. And just one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. Thank you, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Um, do we have information for the crisis hotline? Let's yes. Make sure. Yes. To share um, that. I want to say this first. Um, we had a candlelight vigil in during COVID. Okay. 2021 is when they had the vigil. Okay. And I have the numbers here that the number of deaths from domestic violence recorded in Georgia. Please share. In 2012, it was 135. 2013, 124. 2014, 122. 2015, 145. 2016, 125. 2017, 168. 2018, 141, 2019, 166, and 2020, it was 136. Those are people that never got to tell that story. Those are people that never got out of the the violence that they was in. Mm -hmm. It could have been somebody's mother, brother, father. It's not only ladies that be abused, there are men. Let's talk about it. Yeah. And it could have been a loved one. It could have been your mom, your dad. It could have been your best friend. These people never got to say, got to speak. They never got out. Is it correct to say that domestic violence is violence that happens within the household? I've I've thought about that for a while. I've marinated over that. And I would always say to them that it could have started it starts at home. It starts at home. It starts at home. It all starts with everybody at home. Okay. But in my home, my father was never present long enough okay. to see any more violence against my mom. So what happened outside the house, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So but I do feel like it's something you see happen at home and then you as a child could have been abused by your father or your mother. Because that's a lot of that's going on now. So my question is the definition of domestic violence, that's not just male, female in relationship violence or like romantic relationship. It's also parent child violence. It's also sibling violence. It's, right. it's what happens within a house it's in a house domestic the domestic environment okay all right and it, it can come in all forms you got sexual yeah. you got verbal okay you got financial okay you got um emotional emotional yeah. so it can come in all forms yeah. of violence yeah. it's not just the physical form yeah. the beating form right and i would even be remiss to say like it happens in heterosexual relationships, but it also happens in homosexual relationships. It can happen in any kind of relationship. So I think that's just very important to say. Um, and then you want to share something? Yeah, I want to um, let everybody know that if you're in a domestic violence relationship, like I say, you may have not have the means I had to get out, but there is help. We have um, the Crisis Line Safe House, which is in Macon, Macon, Georgia. And that number is 478 
745-9292. It is the Crisis Line Safe House, and you can call them. They will take care of you. Also, there's a domestic violence hotline, 1-800. And that 1-800 number can direct you to crisis centers in multiple states across the world. Okay. That's important. Okay. And also, um, I am a speaker. I do speak on domestic violence when I'm asked. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have a a Gmail account. If anybody that's listening to this now, and you want to reach out to me personally, you can do it by going to my Gmail, which is Believers with an S, Victors with an S, Survivors with an S at gmail.com. Believers, Victors, yes. Survivors at gmail.com. Yes, ma'am. I got it. Yes. I got it. I got it. I got it. I thank you. I thank you for being open. I thank you for being transparent. And I just thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak to whomever's listening, whomever's going through um, any type of violence. You know, I know my story is kind of long. But that is what She's Free to Fly is about. It is cross generational conversations between women to love, learn, and lead one another to free skills. You have led us towards freedom today. We have led us towards forgiveness to end I think I say on that note, if there's anything else you want to share, if there's one thing that can lead someone towards freedom, what is that one thing? I would say God didn't create you to be a big reason to have life. God created you to love, live, and be happy. So if you're in it, Get out of it. Okay. Get out. Okay. All right. I think that's a wrap. Um, you can catch She's Free to Fly on the major podcast channels, Apple, Spotify. You can view us on YouTube. Um, you can also reach out to She's Free to Fly. You know, you can email She's Free to Fly podcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram. We're, you can just find us on most of the social media platforms. And I will start off by saying, I pray you receive my love. I pray that you feel God's grace. And I pray that you share with others. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Be blessed. All right. Oof. See if you have to